Hey listeners, welcome back to Topics with Tim, Next Level Health. This is my series called Deep Dives, and this is my conversation with Nick Brewer. In this conversation, we learn about Nick's upbringing, which you might be surprised to hear some things you didn't know about him. We also go into some theological discussions regarding the Trinity, which Nick has studied and gives us a few different takes on views and how to look at that. We also dive into some other theological debates regarding Calvinism, Arminianism, the kind of pros and cons of each belief and why some people choose to believe them or not. We tackle some of the hard questions about why certain books are in the Bible and why certain others aren't, you know, how we know is that God is choosing the right people that make it to heaven or hell. Just a lot of, I hit Nick with a lot of questions about what he thinks. So very interesting conversation. Enjoy. Hey, listeners, welcome back to Topics with Tim, Next Level Health. This is a bonus podcast. I'm putting this out on a Saturday. This isn't part of my typical weekly, my typical weekly standard. As you know, I usually do either gym junkies or people are interesting. My two main series on Monday, Wednesday, Friday is my sports where I give you all my my feelings and thoughts on the sports world, especially NBA, NFL. But Saturday, I'm going to start releasing Saturday pods every now and then. It's not going to be super consistent, so you'll have to definitely check and make sure to turn those notifications on so that you know when they come. But I'm going to be doing either investing, political, or a more, I guess, religious. I don't really like using that word because I don't consider what I believe to be a religion, quote-unquote. I think it's a belief system that I believe is truthful and I I I'm, you know, pursuing. So that'll be sort of my Saturday pods will kind of vary between these, these different topics that I like to, because I don't like to box myself in, you know, I love talking gym stuff. I love talking to people about what they're interested in. I love talking sports, but I also love talking, you know, Bible theology and politics, investing, especially I'm getting in a lot into, I just bought crypto for the first time. I got a uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin as well as some stellar lumens. And I'm starting to get involved in a lot of investing stuff as well. I got definitely have, I have some companies as well I've bought into. So love investing. Fascinates me. Anyway, I've got a guest, so I don't want to leave him hanging anymore. And he is a, from, from all, from what I hear, quite the theologian, philosopher type. He, you will have heard, you will have heard of him already. Cause I, I would have, I'll have released the Jim junkies podcast that I did with him before this one. But this is Nick Brewer back on again for another podcast. This time, again, we're not talking gym junkies. We're talking politics and we're talking the Trinity. My boy is going to try to convince me, not convince me. I keep saying that. I, I believe in the Trinity. He's going to try to get me more interested in the Trinity because I'm like I've said, I'm more of a details guy. I love learning the history of things. I'm not big on the more, I guess, theological questions that I know at the end of the day, we can talk about as much as we want, but we're never going to fully understand them because, well, we are human beings and we are not God. And only he can truly understand some of these concepts that are just so beyond us that we can only just grasp at straws. And so those types of topics I tend to not be as interested in, not because they're not interesting, but just because sometimes I guess I don't see the point in debating them much because I'm like, I'll never get it. What I can get is learning like historical context of Bible stories, which I love. So anyway, Nick, tell us how your day was. I guess you already told us how your day was on our Jim Junkies podcast. Tell us, let me, yeah. let me think of a question here. Let me get icebreaker. Tell us where you would go. If you could go anywhere in the world to travel, where would you go? 
Um, good question. I probably, um, I mean, right now I probably want to go back. I, I was originally born in Russia, so I was adopted from Russia. I don't think I've, did I ever tell you that? I don't think you so. You did not tell Maybe me mentioned. So you were I'm, born yeah, in Russia? Originally, yeah, I was adopted at six months old. What? You were and adopted? Also, yes. Why yeah. am I just learning these things about you? This is crazy. Okay. <laughs> so you were born in Russia. You were Correct, adopted yeah. at six months old. Have you ever met your biological parents or cared to meet them or know anything about them? I wouldn't mind meeting them. Um, I, I would, wouldn't mind hearing their story of their life, etc. And seeing, you know, if I, I think I did have a few brothers and sisters, so that'd be interesting to see them as well. If that's the extra, you know, if I actually did have brothers and sisters. Um, so, you don't, so you're not yeah, sure if you to, have siblings, biological siblings. I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure I did, but I can't be 100% sure. But I'm pretty sure I probably did. That's wild. So, Does it ever, do you ever think about that and just go, gee, I wonder what my real parents did or are doing or what they. I would, you know. I am, yeah, every once in a while I think about it. I think about what they're, I know my parents at the time, my biological parents were getting a divorce at the time. So that was one of the reasons why they, uh, why the, the mom at the time put me up for adoption because she thought I would have a better life elsewhere. And clearly I do here. So I'm very grateful, grateful for that. So. It's very blessed for that. How long did you live in Russia for? Only six months. I was only six months old when I was uh, adopted. So I don't. Basically, I came home uh, that year. So 1997, I was born. So uh, before I was one years old. So a few months after, a couple months after. I well, maybe not a couple months. Like that month. I don't know exactly when, but yeah, just six months old. So you were adopted by an American family, obviously. Yes. Yeah. My mother, who was actually a single mother at the time, uh, she uh, she came and got me because she wanted kids. She's can't and biologically she can't have kids, so she wanted to raise a son or raise at least a. I think she wanted a son strictly, but uh, in any case, yeah. So she decided one to adopt, and she uh, got me there. No way. So you yeah. so and she was a single mom. Correct. Yeah. Did you ever get married while you were, or during your life, I guess? Mm -hmm. Later in life, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you like but, your stepdad then? Or, right, your stepdad, right? That's what I call it. No, unfortunately, they, <laughs> I, not to get too detailed, but I won't get into too much. But yeah, they're, unfortunately, I had a divorce recently too. So. No, no, Nick, I, yeah. <sighs> my heart is bleeding for you, my guy. Yeah. Dang. Hey, well, you got the Lord, so... That's my mother is outstanding. You know? She's a uh, my mother's great. So she's raised me as mm. a very I feel uh, very blessed. So that's a great mother. Wow, so. that's that's you have an interesting perspective on life, my friend. That not a lot of people, unfortunately, it's becoming more of a growing trend. The divorce rate and such, mm -hmm. especially but, during COVID. Funny enough. Wow. now, are you are you dual citizenship since you were born in Russia? Te technically not, but I usually could I could get dual citizenship. So, but technically I'm not, no, I don't think so at least, but I, right. I could go, could get it. That'd be kind of, that'd be kind of sick. Which I might eventually. Might yeah. as well. I mean, I don't right, know how yeah. you feel about going to Russia. I'd be a little slightly sketchy, um, but. I, it's actually, I mean, it's from what I've heard, it's actually, it's, it's actually not that bad anymore. It's, it's more, it's more bright. It's more lively. Uh, especially if you go to like the capital city of Moscow and things like that. It's not as, uh. 
so I was, when I was born, it was it was it kind of felt like it was still coming out of the Cold War or not the Cold War. Well, the Cold War, yeah, and then obviously the, the fall of the Soviet Union in nineteen ninety one. So there was still, you know, it was kind of I don't know. The atmosphere was kind of darker at the time. Still, still kind of recovering from that. So, but today it's a lot. I would say it's a lot different. At least for the most part. I mean. You just got to be careful, but it's, you can, tourist, tourism is, you know, you can, you'll be fine. You're not going to have any problems. Mm. So, I always wonder how much of our fear of going overseas to certain countries is a little, maybe slightly overblown, at least in the more touristy areas. We're probably fine. Like sure. I walked, I walked around Mexico city by myself. Then again, I'm a guy, so I know it's a little different, but <laughs> you know, but again, Mexico city is pretty touristy. Yeah. So I never felt unsafe. Oh, yeah. At any point, yeah. I know if I went in some other areas, it's probably a little more sketch for Americans. I wouldn't go outside the tourist areas. Definitely not in terms of Mexico. But yeah, but yeah, it's it's the tourist areas are fine. Like all the resorts are okay. But if once you go outside the resorts, then yeah, you have gotta be careful. So, so it's a crazy world that we have no idea what really goes on in some of these. I read stories, man, of like cartel stuff in Mexico or you know, stuff going it's, on like Venezuela yeah. or different. And we are like, we are so blessed. Yeah. We are so for lucky. Real to be born in America. So yeah. incredible. And we, we don't even realize like if we, there's a way that we could like for a day, go live the life of some, you know, someone in Syria or someone in Venezuela or someone in, you know, we would just be, we would come back to our American life and we would be on our knees, like praising God. Like, thank you so much for like, I agree. What we have here, you know, like definitely, definitely. I'm saying everyone in the world is terrible, but America, there are plenty of great places <laughs> that are still great but there's also a lot of places that are really really bad as well so right yeah we are we are okay. very lucky wow so i just learned a lot about nick brewer that i did not know and i'm still processing <laughs> this information so can you do okay. a good russian accent hello <laughs> hello <come. laughs> it's not the best let's get some vodka together later let's eh? get some vodka oh yes vodka <laughs> that's the only thing i can say in the russian accent is vodka <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so let's get into let's get into our topic here you we were talking the other day we were at barnes noble and i mm -hmm. was reading out of uh stuff christians like by john a cuff which he's one of my favorite authors because he oh. just you know me i love the roast i love to roast people i love yes. getting roasted yeah. i love roasting christians i love getting roasted for being christian not like in a negative way but in just the funny quirks yeah. that we do you know the the side hugs that we do or the, you know, Hey, should I raise my hands while the, during this way? There's a lot of these quirky things with Christians. Do. I think it's pretty funny, but anyway, yeah. I was reading that. And then we, I forget what we got. We got on the topic of the Trinity and I was kind of not throwing a little shade at the Trinity. Not that it's not cool, but I was like, and are they interested? You know, I'd rather learn like more historical context, but you were like, dude, the Trinity is so interesting. Why would you not be interested in the Trinity? So I guess now's the time to put up or shut up, Mr. Nick Brewer. Tell me, convince me, get me interested in the Trinity. Just go. I'm, I'm trying um, to listen. Yeah, sure. So I guess, um, I guess the place to start would be to say what the Trinity is. So, I mean, I think you have a general idea of what the Trinity is. So you have three persons of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're all God. And then obviously the, uh, um, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the spirit is not the father. So you kind of have this interesting relationship of how uh, the person, the relation between the persons works 
I guess you can say like in a more abstract term, if you want to put it like with kind of like almost more mathematical way, like A equals B, A equals C, A equals D, but then we have like a, B doesn't equal C, C is not equal to D, and then B is not equal to D. To D. So it basically is put it more abstract terms, I guess. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think it's interesting because uh, how we conceive the Trinity. I don't think there's any perfect analogy of how we can talk about the Trinity. I think one of the, like I mentioned this at Barnes and Noble. I think the best analogy uh, that I've heard is something like time. So time is past, present, and future. And then if you take away any of those, we can't have not only like not the universe because I think time is an intrinsic part of the universe, but um, we can't have time itself you take away any of those aspects of the of that we can't uh you can't have any aspect of time and same thing with the trinity so if you take away any of the members of the trinity the person of the trinity then we don't have uh we don't have god we don't have the god of christianity so that's just a basic outline um then there's like heretical you know there's heretical views of the trinity like unitarianism which is the idea that's just one member it's just god or one entity so there's the person like christ like so basically, Jesus wouldn't exist. There's no Holy Spirit. Uh, tritheism, which is basically just three gods. Uh, modalism, which we have like three forms. So it'd be like an example with that would be like steam, water, and ice. And then there's partialism, which is the idea that uh, there's parts of Trinity. So like the Holy Spirit's one half of God. The Father is one half of everything else. So that's just some radical views. There's other views too, but that's which, better, which, that's view, which view do you uh, prescribe to? Um, so none of those, I, I, I was gonna, yeah, I think, um, I think there's two main, I think there's other views, but I think there's two main type of views that I think a lot of Christians hold to. So in terms of how we conceive the Trinity, I take a view called social Trinitarianism, which is the idea that how these, how the members relate to each other in terms of relations or social relations, there's a social context. So the kind of mentioned this with inner Trinitarian love when we had that conversation at biology with uh uh the you know each met what we talked about what love is in terms of the bible like each member loves each other and adores each other the father loves the son the son loves the father the holy spirit loves uh the father and son as well um and that's how i think the the members are individuated per se in terms of how we can cash out who they are in terms of uh what the members are instead of that's how we can individuate them basically so can they can be distinct, distinct members instead of one object or whatever gets to say. So, if let's so. just an example, let's say I'm a, a modalist. Mm-hmm. Why is why would you say, you know, Tim? I'm not saying I'm a modalist, by the way. Just, just, just oh, yeah. saying. I don't know what I am <laughs> of those things yet. But yeah, yeah, I can give you a view that might fit you currently, but I'll, I'll let you know. Okay, I'm curious that you. But if I'm a modalist, tell me why my way of thinking is incorrect. I think other than applying to scripture, how scripture talks about the persons. I mean, um, obviously, we're just we're, in terms of like forms, like uh, um, obviously, I, I think, I other like I said, I think the main thing we can point to is the scripture. But like, uh, I think when we talk about the person, we're not when we talk about person, we're not talking about forms of like uh steam water and ice and how they are uh one thing basically it's 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 a little bit different in terms of and it's almost like a 
there's different properties in terms of how we talk about uh, uh, the, the forms or whatever. So it's a little bit, I would say it's just not biblical in terms of how we think of that. Uh, I don't see too many modalists though. I think there's kind of limited amount that. Um, I see more like Unitarians, which is another whole bag of worms or can of worms or whatever. The problematic, so. <laughs> so, but yeah. So do you think if you're, based on these different models you prescribe to you, do you think that if, if I, you know, was one or the other, do you think that sort of would take away from like my relationship with Jesus? Like, would it be, would you be like, Hmm, like, I, I don't I know about this person now because they're a modalist. Now I'm questioning the relationship I, I, yeah. with Jesus. Or do you think it's sort of one of those more like things we argue over, like, Oh, you're supposed to be baptized fully in water or sprinkled on your head. And we're like, eh, you know, like it's kind of important, yeah. but maybe like in the grand scheme, like, yeah, we're both believers. Yeah. Teach their own. I, I think actually it affects your salvation. So if you're an act, there's a difference, I think, between a person who's kind of confused about what the Trinity is and a person who outright rejects the Trinity in terms of how they interpret it. I think um, you can have a genuine, mis, you know, have a mystery of how, um, of how we conceive the Trinity. And maybe well, you could just appeal to like a mystery of how that works. And that's fine. Or maybe just be confused altogether in how we can articulate anything. But if you accept the Trinity, that's not really all that matters. But I think it actually, in terms of your salvation, you have to accept that God is three persons to be actually saved. I think that's one of the key components to your salvation. So hmm. I think a lot of Christians would agree with that in terms of whatever, in terms of if you're a Trinitarian. So it's a key component of what it is to mean, what it means to be a Christian, opposed to holding repentance and what we believe, et cetera, the gospel, et cetera. So. But I think, I think a view for you would be a position called positive mysterianism, which was, that term was coined by a recent, I don't know, it might've been coined before, but I think for the most part, it's coined by a theologian called James, named James Anderson. And he's a theologian philosopher. And uh, it's basically a view that just says that we don't know how these members relate um, to each other. Because if you look at how I formulated um, the, the person of the Trinity, so we have like a, you know the um, the father is um, the father. They're all all three members are God, but they're not each other, which technically violates a mathematical law called the law of transitivity, which just states that A equals B, B equals C, and A equals C. So that's a mathematical principle that technically wouldn't apply. So a lot of people, a lot of people who are atheists, if they're smart, they'll say, "Oh, it violates this law of transitivity or whatever." But in any case. Um, I think you can just appeal to like this Mysterian position at the outset and just say, well, we don't know how they relate per se, but we don't need to know that. We could just say that because the Bible is revelation from God, you only need to know that God is Trinity opposed to know how God is Trinity. I think that's crucial to uh, how we can conceive the Trinity. I take, I think we can go further. Like I mentioned, I'm a social Trinitarian. I think there's aspects of the Bible that kind of point us to social Trinitarianism about, you know, their social relations to each other but uh at the outset you can just be a positive mysterianism at the outset and that's not a big deal so all right i think that fits me i would take that i would take that position i think I yeah like that. that's fair so tell me this. this you probably won't be able to answer this question but i just kind of see what what you what you say why do you think sure. god chose to sort of be in three persons why not just be a singular god 
I mean, I guess he is still a singular God. Why not just have it just be that? And just like you have a relationship with God, God did this and that. Like, why have a son named Jesus? And so, like, why have the Holy Spirit? Why, why operate in this fashion? Yeah. So I think the question, um, I think, is a little bit malformed in the sense that I don't think that God chose to be a three persons. For example, I think the three persons are co-eternal. That is, there is no point in which. God generates the sun in terms of obviously God isn't human prior to creation, but there is three persons exist co-eternally as one God, uh, atemporally outside of space and time outside of creation. Uh, but I think God, you know, in terms of, uh, uh, so I would just take that to be necessary that God is just three persons. God has revealed himself to be three persons. I think, um, there is problems obviously when we, if we all have three persons, um, like if we have like just two persons, which is binitarianism, or we have quinit or uh, quadratarianism, which is more than three persons, four persons, five persons. Uh, I think that's problematic, but I think in terms of what God's revealed, he's revealed himself as three persons. Um, but in terms of why God, uh, uh, why Christ is here, I mean, he came to die for our sins and he's, you know, God is playing out his story in terms of our salvation and taking away our sins and playing out this dramatic story of, uh, uh, in terms of uh, his thematic, his vision of what had, it, it basically, I think of it like a storybook, basically, in terms of how we, why Christ came here. So in terms of what God did for us. Do you believe that you can pray like, let's say I wanted to pray. Okay, I'm going to pray to God specifically about something. Okay, now I'm going to pray to Jesus specifically about something. And okay, now I'm going to pray. To the, do you feel like, do you do that in your own prayer life? Or do you typically just pray only to Jesus? Or how do you sort of interpret? Like, can you pray? Do you feel like you can pray to different ones? Or are you still praying to the same? I mean, you're kind of are just praying to the same one, regardless of whichever three. Right. That's the way I see it. Like, I could choose to pray yeah. for either three, and I'm praying to all three but I guess it's just kind of what I'm feeling in the moment. If I'm, I don't know, whatever comes to mind as far as I guess. Yeah. What yeah. I'm feeling. I don't know. I think it also comes down to like what you want in terms of sometimes like we talk about um, the Trinitarian roles of what each member does, like what the Holy spirit does, what Jesus does and what the, 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 the father, the, uh, the, the Godhead does the father. So I think we, in term, I think all of us, we pray um, to different persons, the Trinity, in a way we, like we mentioned, we, we, we might pray to, you know, we might say Jesus, blah, 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 or God, blah, 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 or whatever, the, or Father, blah, blah, blah. But I think these are referring to the same thing the other day, yeah. Hmm. So. <clears throat> I think that sometimes in prayer, it's, I don't know, there's it's something weird. I must feel certain times I'm like, you know, calling out the Holy spirit, almost like Holy spirit, please like, you know, be in this person or blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes, yeah, it's like, what's weird. We kind of interchange the yeah. names based on maybe what like our objectives are with our prayer in a way. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Which kind of makes yeah, sense yeah. in a way, but obviously yeah, you're still praying at the end of the day, you're still praying to the same God. Now, That's right. real quick. So right. dumb this down for, and I still even have to, I consider myself more 
on like the very like intellectual side to where to me, if I didn't have the, what I believe to be like the historical and the literature evidence for the accuracy of the Bible, if I didn't have my own personal experiences being a Christian and connecting with Jesus and what I see in terms of spiritual warfare in my own life and others' lives, or see, to me, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be a believer. Just, just being honest. Cause I, I have that sort of intellectual mind to where those big ideas of things like, like the, the thinking about the Trinity, thinking about that there could be three, you know, gods in one. Again, if I didn't have the, the, what I believe the evidence of Christ and the Bible, and I just heard that and I'm someone who wasn't a Christian at the time, let's say I would be like, that sounds like complete gobbledygook. Gibberish, gobbledygook. Yeah. Right? Gobbledygook. Like I would be like, Absolutely. Well, how is that different from Hinduism believing that like all religions are like the same or, or how is that different from Buddha trying to achieve Nirvana or how is that different from, you know, these different beliefs that all kind of have these ideas that we can't really fully comprehend. And so I struggle personally when I, when I hear, and maybe that's one of the reasons why I don't love discussing the trinity because it makes me in my mind mm -hmm. the intellectual part of me screams like this doesn't make any sense like how do i but yeah. then I, I have to always kind of go back to like tim like you know the evidence you know the historical context and 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 the the witnesses for jesus and all like everything that's that's what my mind cements itself on that's why i'm a believer and i believe in jesus is because of that right so mm -hmm. pretend i'm someone who pretend I'm a non-Christian and I don't have any of this other evidence. And I'm just hearing you talk about the Trinity. Tell me like why it's important to me and I don't know, dumb it down for me in a way that I would like be able to understand it and maybe connect with it. Right. Okay. I think this is going to be a hard question because at the outset, if I was talking to an unbeliever, I wouldn't even bring up this contents of the Trinity. I think the reason true, why true. I brought it to you is because you're a believer. And I think for in terms of salvation sake, that's saying you don't believe in Trinity or anything, obviously, and you obviously know that. But uh, I think it's interesting point, yeah. for at least these would not be conversations yeah. you'd probably you'd have with somebody. I wouldn't I, at just, the outset. Yeah. If somebody the only probably reason why the only time I would bring it up if somebody brought an objection to the Trinity, if they thought the Trinity was illogical or broke some law of logic or something like that, I would definitely defend it in that sense. If they maybe were more knowledgeable on the subject, but if they're they're just don't even have any out concept of what the Trinity is, obviously I want them to if they're open to the gospel, I'd probably give them that and talk about what Christ has done in the world, what Christ can, you know, you should maybe, maybe, maybe read this book of the Bible, maybe read Romans, you know, at the outset or whatever. I would maybe give my testimony of why I believe in, in God and I'm a Christian, but I definitely wouldn't mm -hmm. bring up the Trinity at the outset. That's not something I would do unless they ask obviously up directly of what the, what the, what is the Trinity? Although most people unbelievers are not going to go out. They're not asking unless they're in a debate mood or wanting to, discuss why the trinity is coherent um they're not gonna they're not gonna bring that up at the outset but i would definitely give fair point, fair i would point. definitely go different i would way go a way different direction at the outset Good point. but i think this is an interesting question for christians to talk about so okay and other aspects of god too not just um not just but i not just this kind of stuff but i do respect um the historicity of learning about like uh the different contents of the bible and uh, 
basically what you know a lot of the history of what christ i think like nt if you ever read nt right he has a whole book on the resurrection of the historicity of all that he's written a lot of work on that for example um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm looking to grow it's resurrection it's, it's actually a huge book <laughs> but it's about the resurrection it goes through all the all the gospels and stuff what's the author by nt right nt right w-r-i-g-h-t yeah mm-hmm. w-r-i-g-h-t I'm looking to build because I feel like I have a good foundation of evidence where I see because I'm so I like to study science as well. And I see I see the way science and the Bible interact in a, yeah. in a perfectly yeah. harmonious way in terms of many, many scientific concepts. I love like the case for Christ is one of my favorite books because it just breaks down this guy trying to disprove it and how he just runs into these dilemmas with the documentation that's available in terms of. You know, 500 documented witnesses saying they saw Jesus after he was crucified, after the documents show that he was crucified. You know, that's, I just can't refute that. That's just so, wow. That's that's powerful evidence for the idea that our God like resurrected. But I am looking to build my, my evidence-based knowledge to even a higher extent uh, to be even more solidified, be more of a, that stone. But I, 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 yeah i I, is there any other what other concepts besides there's obviously the trinity which is one of those big ones that's yeah tough for me honestly to grasp being a more of that the mindset that i have is there any other big concepts that you love debating talking about um i like this one i think if you're talking about let's say an concept that's very uh abstract like the trinity would be something like talking about god what means for god to be simple so we think of um, we think of ourselves. We have various properties. You have blonde hair. I have brown hair. Um, but since God is immaterial, like uh, my property of brownness is divisible from my properties of let's say me wearing this blue shirt. Um, but for God, He's His property set like His omnipotence. Basically, He's present in all of His in all of His. Um, properties or um, is all of his perfections so his omnipotence let's say is his omniscience which is so hard to so hard to grasp because we don't think of uh properties that way we don't we're not present in all of our properties not say in that way because we're not simple we're where we have we're, we have parthood we have different parts we have different properties separate properties to each other but god isn't like that he's um this is the idea of divine simplicity which is a whole different <laughs> whole different subject but in terms of that, that plays kind of into the Trinity. Um, but uh, that's another very abstract concept, which um, is hard to grasp for a lot of people. And I don't think it's a, that one. I don't think, I mean, if you think God has part of it, I think that's going to be a big problem for, I don't think that's needed for salvation, but I think that's going to be problems for people who believe that. Um, that's another abstract concept in terms of theologians and what they discuss, etc. Um, but I like debating stuff in general. I mean, I like chatting with people. I like discussions more than debates per se. Like, so here, um, here's one. I, here's one I do like so, to debate because yeah. I feel like I have a little more interest in this one because I think it does kind of determine yeah. how we live. So I have this. Mm-hmm. I have this sort of the, theological theory, I guess, that I'm I'm not a Calvinist, and I'm not an Arminianist, <laughs> and I don't actually think it's good to be just one foot in one of those because here's my theory tell me if i'm off here if you believe just you're a hardcore calvinist and you believe there's nothing you can do to basically you don't don't have free will 
or nothing you could, like everyone who's saved is going to be saved nothing you could do about it and like there's an element of that that's probably true because god is all-knowing and all-powerful and he knows what's going to happen so he knows who's going to be saved whatnot so i i get why like i totally can empathize with a calvinist totally get why you believe that however how does it change the way that you act because if believing that makes it to where you're like oh there's that person over there but it doesn't really matter if i go over there and talk to my god or not because like if they're saved they're going to be saved if not they're not and it's kind of like i get you know like you're not wrong but at the same time like ah, if it's if if that belief is making you like i'm not going to go do that now you're like oh what is that is that belief really a healthy thing Whereas, like, I think if you're an Armenius and you're far on the other side, I see those churches that are more of the Armenius belief be, like, way too controlling, like, almost cult-like sure. with their desire to control people and desire to – and there's some churches, I'm not going to necessarily call them out, but that are more um, Armenius, and I see it – I'm like, those are churches mm-hmm. I, I steer clear of because I don't want them to have that much, like, control over every aspect of my life. Yeah, because yeah. maybe they're so far in the believing that they can change things that they feel the need to then control everything. And so I almost feel mm-hmm. like I don't want to be a Calvinist where I'm aloof to like opportunities to share Christ. I don't want to be an Armenius to where I feel the need to like control every Christian and, you know, just I don't want to control people like that. What if the best place to be is like in the middle? And I don't know if there's a name for it, but. Maybe there is, maybe you have a name, but like, I believe sort of both things are true Yeah. in a way, but I don't want to be so far to one side that I'm missing the boat in either directions. I want to have like mm-hmm. a good perspective on both. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So the other, I think at the outset, um, I think, I think a lot of Calvinists would tell you, even if you're a hyper Calvinist per se, which you hold to the most radical view of free will being deterministic. It's actually in that way. But um, I think the outset, I think the bottom line is that Calvinists are going to defend uh, their their views from scripture and Armenians are going to do the same. So the outset, if they're consistent, um, the Calvinist is, is not going to be a person who's not going to go out and preach because I think the Bible teaches that. I think we, we're obviously in, <laughs> throughout the Bible, we're, we, we're, you know, we're commanded to go outside the church and go spread the gospel because that's, we don't know from Calvinist point of view, we don't actually know who the elect is. Um, so I think it's crucial for us to spread the gospel and people who uh, could still turn to Christ in that sense. Um, so the outset, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not prepared to defend scripture per se here, but in terms of uh, people who are Calvinists or Armenians, um, they're gonna defend that. They're gonna defend their views by scripture. I don't think the, the view of libertarian free will, as we call it, which is the idea that what I think is a big concept in Western culture, because that's how kind of how our justice system is built on. It's, the basic concept is that we have the ability to do otherwise. And I think that's what our justice system is built on, because otherwise, um, obviously why, you know, we, we have the idea of why should we put people in prison if they are determined to do X. But the idea would be that um, the Calvinist is going to reject the idea that even if, um, even that even though God predetermined everything, predestined you to do X, it's not coercion. I think that's a crucial word that gets tossed around that we're not forced to do X. We're still adherent. We're still adherent to our desires of what we want to do in the world. So our desires determine whether or not we want to go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or go murder someone, um, opposed to 
that. And I guess, I guess the best analogy that I've seen in terms of, um, I forgot the exact word, there's a specific word for this, but the Calvinists usually are gonna bring up or people who at least, and I would be included in this, would bring up the idea of like, let's take um, the Lord of the Rings, for example. So Tolkien writes the Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, and all the, the saga of, um, of um, Frodo and the ring, et cetera. Um, obviously we're not gonna, we're not gonna, I think that the big debate is our moral culpability. So we wouldn't put all of the terrible things that happen in the Lord of the Rings saga, all the death and destruction onto Tolkien, because even though he's the author, he, people, Frodo still has his own desires and still acts out his desires according to what he wants to do. Um, I forgot, again, I can't think of the exact word that this is called, but we wouldn't put those, we wouldn't put those actions onto the, um, onto the author. We wouldn't put those actions on, on the Tolkien. And uh, neither we would, we would apply Frodo-ness, the property of Frodo-ness, all the things that Frodo is onto the author, because that's contradictory. Um, so, but in terms of like the middle ground, I'm sure you can be a middle, you can be in the middle in terms of that. I think it come down to scripture though, how we interpret scripture of um, the five points of Calvinism versus um, Arminianism, which is usually adherent to this idea that we can, we can do otherwise. But I think there's places in scripture that, like Ephesians one through 10 kind of point to how God uh, has a plan for us in terms of he, I can't really exact verse, but uh, it kind of points to this being the only world and everything's set for a reason, et cetera. So, but that's, I where think you, the, the story book analogy, the author analogy. Where do you land personally? So, I'm, I lean towards Calvinists, and um, I'm I, in terms of like free will. I'm what we call compatibilists. I think we can be. Um, I think there um, we, are, we determinism is true, but we can we still have we still have our own desires. We still have free will. We still have moral culpability, even though we're determined for certain aspects. So, um, I think that kind of I guess the analogy of using a an author of a story is probably the best analogy you can give for that. So. I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't apply any moral culpability to an author who writes a story of a person dying, for example, murder um, onto the author in terms of them writing the story because we still have our own desires, et cetera. So, yeah. Do you so. ever wonder <laughs> if we as Christians are doing a disservice to our faith by sort of creating these kind of camps in a way? Because obviously you know, Jesus never prescribed to say, Hey, I'm a Calvinist. I'm an Arminianist. Um, obviously yeah. he said certain yeah. things that you can interpret in certain ways that maybe, maybe, I mean, I feel like he's, I feel like he's kind of in the middle too. Cause he, he talks a lot about like God having a plan and him fulfilling God's plan. Mm -hmm. But he also talks about doing, doing that plan, fulfilling those works, doing those things, taking those bold yep. steps when he felt like, you know, God wanted him to do something. So I feel like he kind of is somewhat in the middle, maybe a slight Calvinist lean. I don't know. That's, I'd, have to, dig, I'd have to dig into his specific words a little bit more to yeah, see. Yeah, definitely like scripture. We, could do, we have to do a Bible study on it. That but I, I just, I just picture Jesus hearing us having this Calvinism <laughs> Arminius debate. Is he smiling because he thinks it's so cool that we're talking about this? Does, is he kind of, is he laughing? Cause he's kind of like, does this really matter? Like, I, I just, I don't know exactly what his, 
what he would um, be if he was here with us right now, which he is in some sense. But what do you interpret? Do you think he would be like, because okay, here's an example. It's the other day I was at, and this is a little different because it was with people who weren't Christians, but I was, I had a sure. work dinner with some friends and there were half of us that were Christians, half of us weren't. And I remember the, the Christians that were there were kind of having debates about, oh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm blanking on some of the names right now, but I'm, um, what are some of the different denominations? Uh, Pres- I'm Presbyterian. Presbyterian. I'm, Lutheran. Uh, Lutheran. Yeah, right. They're kind of having these Anglican, debates about, yeah. and we kind of all went around the table and said, like, what are, and I personally, I've always been kind of more of a non-denominational guy. So I've always just said, like, I just follow, like, do my best example to be like Jesus, whatever that is. Yeah, and, I'm, yeah. I, and maybe, maybe in the future, I'll take more strong stances in certain ways, but I just don't feel the need to currently. But I thought in that context, yeah. I was kind of disappointed because I, th- I, I was trying to empathize and try to project the non-Christians at the table who are listening to this conversation. What are they thinking and feeling about this conversation we're having? Where we're debating Presbyterian or blah, blah, blah. And I almost felt like if I was them in their shoes and I was listening to this conversation happening, and I wasn't a Christian, I would kind of be like, this is lame. Like, how is, how is being a Christian any different than any other, like these people are here basically debating sort of like politics within Christianity about these different denominations and how they do this differently and that differently. I don't, and I don't know exactly what they were thinking. This is just how I felt as if I was perceiving myself through the lens of not being a Christian and not understanding. Obviously we as Christians, like we can have these debates because we we're, we're seeing it through a certain lens, but I was picturing through their lens. They might be going, this reminds me of like politics or this reminds me of like, like it didn't feel like we were really set apart in that moment based on if I was looking at through their lens, I would actually be kind of thinking this is kind of lame, but I don't know yeah. what, what's your, what's your take on that? Would you, maybe it just wasn't the right context for that having non-Christians there. Maybe that's like think, a debate better amongst just Christians in general. Right. I think there's a kind of a mantra of, non-believers to say look at you know christians and their denominations oh silly christians and they're so you know they're so different from each other blah 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 i think at the end of the day i think other than some tenets of catholic uh, catholicism um for the most part we all we all agree on the basic tenets of what gets us to be saved so repentance trinitarianism uh, resurrection we've you know a couple of them I point out but we, we, at the other day we all Catholicism Protestantism alike and all the other denominations in between um, we all agree on the basic tenets um, there's a lot of nuances like um, there's a whole bunch of inner debates with Christianity it is like politics I mean we're, we're debating the interpretations of what the scripture talks about um, and I you know it very much is like uh, like I said, politics. Um, I think Jesus is probably, depending on what kind of Christian you are, like if you don't hold the um, sola scriptura, but you know, the scripture alone, for example, if we think that God is like Jesus like that, well, he's probably going to say, well, um, you know, we should have used other aspects of the church to interpret why people, you know, (laughs) why the word, why people think this, or if we think, you know, if we're Protestant, which I am, you know, we'll hold the scripture, hold scripture, and we think, you know, we're 
God, if the God is like that, this God of Protestantism, then uh, God is probably laughing at like, the Catholics saying, why are you using extra biblical doctrine outside what the word says? Why are you using the church to uh, interpret the scripture opposed to the word itself? Um, mm. So I think there's, I don't know, what, I can't, I don't know what God is thinking. I think Protestant is right. Like I think that, you know, I don't know the Catholic. So I think the scripture alone is sufficient for, um, for us to know, you know, in ter- you know, in terms of our interpretation, I think part, part might have to do with sin and how we misinterpret some aspects or general confusion, et cetera. But uh, I'm not sure. I think God probably is laughing a little bit. He's probably getting a chuckle out of it. He probably is unfortunately sad because we know that people who misinterpret the Bible and some aspects are not going to be saved. So I think from our point of view, I don't, we don't think that other than, you know, Sol Gracia, other than being saved by grace alone, I think a lot of Catholics are not going to heaven, for example, unfortunately. So I think there's a bit of sadness and I think a bit of, uh, I think God is frowning upon us because of how we do that. But unfortunately that's, I think a lot of has to do with sin unfortunately in the world and that's why there's a lot of unbelievers too so not just people who differ in terms of tenets of the scripture but out- outright reject christ altogether so hmm. yeah yeah i don't know but it's I unfortunate wanna, like i, I, wanna, I wish we all I did agree <laughs> take the stance like i don't because i know i'm not any better than anybody else as far as i yeah. you know I'm not, i have yeah, the same all, struggle that anyway that everyone else does in terms of interpreting scripture so i don't want to pretend like i'm yes. somehow above debating over denominations or anything like that i just wonder if maybe there are times where it's like if we're with non-believers maybe maybe that's not the best time to debate i don't think so i would agree you know those things we're we're gonna be like, be debating them whatever, so. yeah this is like lame. oh look at these still christians i just supports my unbelief of why why you know if we have all these denominations why should who what even is the right one etc so that's just more that's more of a reason why i don't believe xyz about christianity and that's unfortunate and it, you know you could just dive into a little bit and you understand that most of the, the basic tenets are the same across christianity for your salvation so but yeah that's, that's a good point yeah. it's unfortunate they might think yeah. that there's more differences than there really is based on our kind of yeah. like stubbornness of like no it's definitely meant this way and it's like yeah maybe it is maybe it isn't is it really a big deal probably not because again, the basics are the same, so it's kind of a fun little debate. But maybe some of us take it a little too, too seriously in some ways. Sure, I think it is important, though. I mean, I think they're interpreting scripture of what it is. I think is important. Um, but uh, have you ever thought about understanding this? Scripture. Have you ever thought about who the who decided what? Because obviously there were human beings who decided what books would make up the christian bible that we have today do you ever wonder what if those are human beings right hopefully you know hopefully they're led by god so they're going to make mostly good decisions but what if they made a mistake what if they left out a book that should be in there that they discounted or what if they put a book in there that shouldn't be there right we know that the catholic bible has extended books that were not Mm -hmm included in the christian bible do you ever think about that right. have you ever has ever crossed your mind have you ever explored the other books to see why they left them out um i think uh some other there's other christians who probably give a better idea of why 
some of the aspects of why some of the books, especially like um, you talk about like the books that aren't not even in the Catholic tradition of the canon, like um, uh, what's one of the books? Um, uh, what's uh, Thomas, for example, um, doubting. Uh, there's a book of Thomas. I can't remember. Is doubting Thomas, right? Or there's another. I can't remember that. Is it is it, is it based on Thomas the disciple who uh, yeah, wanted I to think, see the hands yeah. of Jesus, so the nails? Yeah. For example, there's a um, there's a the book on there that's outright rejected by the church. For example, there's, a, there's about couple, there's a like three or four other books that are not a part of the canon, even the Catholic canon. Um, there's certain aspects of the Bible that we can that are kind of obvious of that should be part of the canon that some people would point out. If you're a Protestant and you hold the Swap Scripture that um, and you were you hold the, the the books that are not part of the Catholic, you're going to say that it's uh, it, God put the canon together, not the church. Like uh, God is. I feel like that's kind of a cop out. Do you feel the same? Like I I, I get that that's true that you could always make the yeah. argument. Well, you know, God meant for it to be this way, and that's probably true. God did for it to yeah. mean to be exactly this way, but at the same time. You know, if human beings are allowed to choose what books are in the Bible, we know that human beings are imperfect and make mistakes. So there's bound to be a mistake somewhere. I mean, as far as not, mm -hmm. maybe it's not a big mistake. And again, maybe you could, it's a mistake that was meant to be, you know, but mm -hmm. it's hard to, and again, I trust the yeah. Bible like very much so. I think they made a lot of great oh, yeah, decisions what mm -hmm. books are in. And I think it's pretty self explanatory, especially the basics. But I do sometimes yes. wonder, it crossed my mind. What if I read some of those other books? Would maybe that would maybe that would add to my faith? Maybe it would. I would. Maybe those would be healthy things to read. Maybe they're not all terrible or, you know, what do you know? Like I don't want to be so close-minded that I'm not open sure. to things like that. But I don't know. Would you ever like read some of those books or take anything from those? I haven't read any. Of, I haven't read any of those books strictly. I mean, maybe especially if you're into history maybe the historical purposes maybe you should mm. take a look at those just for your own sake like if you're into history i like like i said i want to dive in the more historicity of the bible and that kind of stuff too but uh, i think like i said there's um some people will point out like i don't think it's a cop-out just because of how we interpret scripture like if you're told to scripture that um, the bible is self-sufficient like the idea is that the word is obvious it should be obvious to us so even if mm. we're fallible um, God is, you know, designed just in a way that we could determine what is canon and what is not, because God put the canon together, not the church. So, I don't think it's a cop out. I think it's just how we view scripture. Um, if you're a Catholic, you obviously disagree. You think the church put that together, and you need the church um, to put like the various aspects of the New Testament, especially together, etc. But, uh, but I trust God. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not too worried. I'm, I'm saying you're worried either. But uh, I just yeah, I don't just, know. I think, I'm not worried. Yeah. It, just, it begs the, the thought. Being someone who yeah, like yeah. I don't want to be close-minded to things, so I don't want to just be like, well, I can't look at those other books. They're not on the you know. It's like, well, I mean, what if? What if there was something to be <laughs> gained from reading one of those other books? You know, like yeah. I, maybe yeah. that maybe only ten percent of it is good. Maybe ninety percent of it's crap. But maybe there's still ten percent of something there. You know, I don't, I don't know. There's other Christians who probably, that, that I know who probably could expand on that better than I could, but uh, it, in terms of that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with reading them. Um, like I said, I, I hold to the Protestant canon, so uh, interesting reads, but I wouldn't consider them in terms of my 
what I hold to, I wouldn't consider, I'm not a Catholic, so I reject Catholicism. So I would reject their canon and their, their books, but nothing wrong with exploring and uh, taking a look at the historicity of how the Bible was put together, et cetera, and why, what the tenets of all the other books are, et cetera. So, hmm. yeah. All right, one last, one last uh, dilemma to throw at you here. And sure. uh, no, we'll, we'll call it. What are your thoughts on, let's say, you know, of course the stereotype is there's an indigenous indigenous tribe somewhere that's never heard of Jesus before, has no Bible. And there are some people that would say like, Hey, well, that's kind of like not fair. They didn't get a chance to hear about Jesus. Like they should, you know, if they die, like they should still be saved because they didn't get a chance. But then there's some people that argue that it's like, kind of like what you mentioned. And I think it's what made me think of it is, well, it's kind of obvious, right? Like you look around, you see everything around you. You're like, how did this come to be? And it's beautiful. And I'm so complex as a person. And it almost seems like obvious that there must be some sort of divine creation. Would you sort of argue that yeah, those people, even if they didn't get a Bible, you know, or whatnot, they should still just being able to look around, just seeing like, oh, well, yeah, God's real. Who made all this? Yeah. Like, I think would they still be saved or do they need to hear scripture and and repent and believe in jesus or i mean i don't, I don't know if mm-hmm. god has revealed that to their hearts that there's the <laughs> visions of because it would be it would be hard for them it would be hard for me to understand how they would come to know jesus i could totally understand how they could look around and be like oh mm-hmm. there must be a god how did this all just come to be but then how would they learn about unless they had like visions like god gave them dreams of jesus you know how would they know who that is or that that's he saved them you know or anything i don't know what are your thoughts yeah I, I i in terms of my interpretation of how we interpret revelation from god so there's three aspects to me of revelation so romans 1 1 19 through 21 kind of talk about everyone has an aspect of god it's we have no excuses of um knowing god we all we all have it we all know god we all know christ we all know christ etc and then there's Psalms 19. There are probably other other areas of the Bible, but Psalm 19 talks about you know everything natural revelation, which is everything in the world. Um, that kind of points to God's uh, kind of have, has God's stamp basically in terms of who God is. So it kind of points to uh, God's creation. And then there is an aspect of revelation, another part of natural revelation, which is being made in God's image, which we have a sense of deity. And unfortunately, because of sin, I think this is why we have so many different religions, because we have different concepts of what God is. But we have a sense of deity at birth. And I think even even um, as a zygote, even from like birth, we have a sense of of, of God. Um, so uh, the, some people might just say, like, for example, which I would probably agree, like in terms of how we view God is like, um, I mean, for, in terms of our salvation, like, I mean, we all... We all deserve hell in a way. I mean, we're all sinners, so um, we're very much lucky if you know we are saved. Not sense we we don't we don't actually deserve to be <laughs> we don't deserve to go to heaven. I mean, we all deserve hell. The question is why you know why are we why are we saved in terms of that? So I mean, um, we're all just accordingly. I think since God is just merciful and uh, He will judge accordingly and um, I can't tell you. I can't tell you, obviously, cert- with certainty, whether or not a tribe in, let's say, off the coast of, uh, in, like, off the coast of Sri Lanka, like an island, of, I forgot what their people are called, but like, 
Is that the I think they have a sense of deity because they're made to God's image. They have a sense of that, even though they haven't heard the gospel. Um, but God will judge them accordingly. That's all I can, all I can tell you. But hmm. so I'm not sure. But God is yeah. God is just, so I trust that He will make the right hmm. decision. Obviously, in terms of their salvation. So well said, well yeah. said. I think that's it. Yeah, if so you trust God, He sa- it says He's just. So whatever way He's going to make His judgment on those people, he'll, I'm sure He'll take everything into account. And he knows what they would have done had they someone a missionary come and shared Christ or not. Sure. He knows what they would have done or not done anyway. So therefore he'll know, you know, whether or not they I guess are right for heaven. But we have to trust that to him. So that's a great, yeah. great answer on that one. Stuff that's tough for a lot of people to to I think just accept. I think a lot I, of people go, that's not good enough. Unbelievers and believers alike. Yeah. Unbelievers and believers alike, yeah. Especially if they don't know God, they wouldn't necessarily think he's trustworthy enough to make that kind of decision. So yeah, it's definitely tough. It's one of those definitely, big concepts yeah. that's like, shoot, like we'll never really know, but kind of fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. Nick, thank you for being on, man. Thank you for sharing your heart and sharing all these awesome topics. I definitely feel like I, my, I'm, I'm stimulated <laughs> mentally with all these different <laughs> concepts and ideas. And thanks for taking my, my questions there. I know I didn't prepare you for any of those other than the Trinity oh, one. So yeah, yeah. Appreciate you answer i'm sure we'll do more like this i i enjoy i feel like i grow a little bit as well hearing from you and some of the different scriptures you're referencing for certain things i feel like it helps me out as well to kind of understand some of these things so thank you for being on Absolutely. thank you for sharing your heart thank you for being a brother in christ and for me and i look forward to many many times ahead for us both on this earth and in in our in our future heavenly kingdom as well so nick have a good night my friend thanks for being on and you listener as well, thank you for listening. Again, make sure to subscribe. I feel like I'm saying that all day today. Subscribe, turn those notifications on. It's available anywhere, any podcast app. So Saturdays, we'll have more content like this. So hope you are enjoying it. Anyway, guys, thank you for listening. And I will see you on the next pod. Thanks for listening to my Deep Dives podcast with Nick Brewer. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to my podcast, turn those notifications on so you never miss one. And as always, I will be doing my best to produce three podcasts a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, although sometimes that can vary. So please continue to support the pod. Leave me a review if possible. I would love that. And I also love any critiques and criticism you guys have for those of you that I know personally. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next one.